You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and with me today is Renee Deneen. Renee is an international thought leader, coach, and consultant who recently took her story to the TEDx stage. As a self-identifying doing addict, Renee helps individuals and organizations transform their work in the world by taking authentic inaction. Renee, welcome to the show. So glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You believe that a major component of inspiring change in our lives comes from choosing how we want to feel. And I couldn't agree more. You've said that we have the choice of whether we direct our path of transformation or we allow others to do it for us. And I really want to know how you chose your path. Hmm. I grew up in a very conscious family. And by that, I mean, you know, in the 1970s and 80s, my parents were very active in the self-help revolution. And I was exposed to concepts such as, you know, to think is to create and I am responsible versus I am victim and when, when, you know, when I was prepubescent, right? Like nine, 10, 11. And so those concepts really were ingrained in me in a very meaningful way. It was, it's a very positive set of experiences for sure. Um, and that resulted in me as I got into college, I studied psychology and this field of, or, you know, organizational psychology was emerging and I was in the Bay area. So I was, you know, right place, right time. And, um, you know, I am a spiritual person as well. So I, I deeply feel called to the work that I do. I feel blessed to do the work that I do, but you know, this idea that we could transform ourselves at any given time, that we could really rewire our brain, that we could manifest um, our, our reality, our dreams, et cetera, was ingrained in me very early on. And that continues today. Now we have a lot more science to prove it, but I believed it back then and I believe it now. I love that. I mean, whether we're talking spirituality or not, but with the kind of getting in as an early adopter, if you will, and in self-development becoming mainstream is this notion of living life intentionally mm -hmm. and approaching change with that intention seems to be so paramount in the work that you do. You recently co-authored a book called The Art and Truth of Transformation for Women, where you share advice on how people can mindfully create change in their lives and gain more peace ease and joy, which I feel like, aren't we all just looking for a little more peace, ease and joy? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And if we're not, I want to shake you and say, yes, you deserve that. And it's possible to have more of it. Um, and, and life can be hard. You know, there's, it's not about being blind to the hard stuff, but it's about that idea of, you know, choosing how you want to respond and how you want it to dominate you. And therefore not just your thoughts, but the impact of those thoughts. So um, I believe most times we can create something wonderful, even out of the harder moments. And especially, I mean, coming out of a really hard year, 2021 is off to a little bit of a rocky start for some as well. I think a lot of people expected this year to 
come uh, with, with a little bit more ease and joy. And I think some people are recognizing that it's not just going to happen, that in order for it to, for in order for the change to transpire, that we need to play an active role in making that change possible. And so can you share some of the tips from your book that might be able to help us have, you know, integrate more peace in our day and have a little more ease in the projects we take on and joy in the things that we do? Mm. Yeah. So the book um, I co-authored, it's a series of stories of women who have um, had a, you know, transformational experience in their own life. And then we're able to sort of write about that and hopefully codify it for others. So I'll, I'll just speak to my story. Um, the, the short intro is I um, came out of grad school, was hired by a high-tech company in the Silicon Valley and in my second year and just hit the ground running in in very large global roles. Uh, My first role was a leadership role. I was managing people of my age and older. Um, I was blessed with my best boss was my first boss. So she heard, she, she just taught me lessons that I still live out today. But I think this idea of transformation for me is I, I was raised by a, a workaholic I was dominated by this uh, mental model that, you know, to think is to create that fits to be, it's up to me, right? I couldn't in some way, shape or form have any dream I wanted. Um, Hard work being very foundational to that and clarity of thought and intention. So I spent the next 25 years working really hard. I moved into the biotech um, area. I lived overseas, like my family and I, um, when my kids were three and five moved to Switzerland and just had an enriching, fulfilling, meaningful career. Um, when I was living in Europe, I started to have some health issues and I realized I just, you know, I was a chronic insomniac. I wasn't sleeping. I was starting to have some tremors and some stutters. My doctor thought I had MS. Thankfully I didn't, but I was just overworked. And I realized I'd gotten into this very regular habit of just over-efforting everything, um, just overdoing. And I was just looking for that next doing fix in, in my days and in my weeks and in my years. So I was so exhausted, my bones just ached. Um, and I finally made the decision to leave and kind of shed that corporate identity. Did I have to leave to shift the sort of flow and ease in my own life? I don't know, but at the time I really thought I did and I, I have no regrets over that decision now. So I'm going to trust that that's very true for me. Um, not always do you have to really walk away from, you know, your day-to-day life in order to achieve that. But for me, I did. And more importantly, I wanted to permanently shift the ease and flow and grace that I experienced in my own life. And part of that was working a lot less and not mm-hmm. traveling and being more present and building up my capacity to be present um, without moving on to the next thing. So that was my transformation. I am a, um, I, you know, I named my addiction as my doing addiction and I consider myself in recovery. I think it'll always be a draw for me to manifest the next thing, you know, kind of the, the downside of learning to manifest early in my life is I got really good at it. Um, and just to be more intentional. And part of that intention is more um, consciously aligning who I am with what I do, because I realize that, um, well, authenticity is knowing who I am, absolutely. It also is acknowledging that, you know, the actions that I put out in the world, what I say, what I do, what I manifest communicates to the world who I am mm-hmm. more vividly than anything else. And sometimes that wasn't in alignment. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that you touch on alignment because I think one of the things that 
prevents us from acting in alignment and with intention is this constant pressure to do. And you mentioned being the child of a workaholic. I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of speaking to so many people from so many different walks of life and people who came from immigrant families who, who gave up everything for them to have, you know, a, a different life and who get here and who also carry with them that burden of doing because they feel that there's a responsibility to create something more that their parents didn't have or that their parents left behind. And it's just one of many examples, but I do think the pressure of doing is very present for a lot of people. And we've grown to wear busy as kind of this badge of honor. And I feel like it's almost even become an emotion. You know, like I ask people, Hey, how are you doing? And the response I get is, Oh, busy. How are you? (laughs) You're so right. I never thought of it that way, but yes, I'm grinning. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that you mentioned, which I love, love, love is that just because you're busy does not mean you're moving forward. So how does authentic inaction, which you talk about in your TEDx talk, help us focus on what truly matters? Mm. So um, the idea of taking authentic inaction and inaction being one word, sort of the opposite of action. Um, and I looked it up. I thought, what, what is that word inaction? You know, I really had to look it up because I'm, I'm not suggesting you just sort of sit, right? Or procrastinate or, or do nothing. But I'm, I'm suggesting to incorporate a practice in your day-to-day life where you pause long enough, you reflect long enough, you have a set of sort of like go-to questions that you ask yourself before you just say, yes, I'll do that, right? I'll get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow and meet you for a run. Nope, didn't want to do that, right? I wanted to sleep in. I could have offered to have a walk in the afternoon or new project. I wait five seconds, no one raised their hand. I raise my hand, sure, I'll do it, you know? Um, And the reasons people do that are different and they're motivated by something that is obviously also feeding them. I call that kind of a competing priority for me. I'd say my doing was one, well, I could, I can, so I should, right. That was an old phrase in my head, Mm. but just because you can, doesn't mean you should, right. I, I rephrased that. And I just had to say it to myself over and over again, but I think this idea of busyness, it is, it's, it's not only encouraged, right. It's almost revered look at them, how busy they are. Wow. What an exciting life. Or wow. Look at her. She's known for right. Being able to get it all done. How does she do that? There's a certain enamorment that people even have with it. And so understanding as well, like what you don't take action on can be just as uh, powerful as what you do take action on. Right. It's like adopting these new beliefs and doesn't come easy, but I think if your busy life is no longer serving you, which in my case, it stopped serving, it almost you know took more than it gave, um, there is a way out. There is another way to do your doing life. And aligning who you are with what you do is one way to stay authentic, I think, and live a, a more healthy, fulfilling life overall. But it you know doesn't come easy, particularly if you're in that pattern or you're in that context that Um, it acknowledges and rewards you for it, it's going to be a little tougher. Mm -hmm. So how did you recognize in your own life and your experience that the not doing was actually quite fulfilling and helped to advance either that sense of fulfillment or happiness or success as you understood it? Mm. And at some point I started to recognize that um, there was a physical manifestation of my doing life that was um, right in front of me. And, you know, the idea like, oh my God, I could have multiple sclerosis and, 
And then knowing that the symptoms of that disease I was experiencing, but I had done it to myself. So that was one wake up call. Um, another is that I was missing a lot of my children's life, not because I was physically absent per se, although I was more than I really, you know, wanted to be even, but I couldn't be present at the dinner table. I couldn't um, enjoy simple moments. I couldn't say, Hey, let's play a game after dinner. Like, so I was starting to realize what I was missing out on with all my other yesing. Right. And, um, so, you know, for every person that's going to be different, but I think for me, the idea that I could choose came a kind of a simple benign moment. I was at a, uh, women's retreat with my daughter and women were being invited into the circle to share, you know, the impact the weekend had on their life. And I thought, I don't want to step into the circle. Like I heard this very wise, authentic voice say, just stay put, just listen and clap and hold space energetically, but you don't have to step into the circle. That's mm. silly. You don't want to don't step in. And I was like, no, no, but I'm here. Like, you know, this other voice is like, get your butt in the circle, Renee. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you here? <laughs> You're not speaking up. And by the way, my daughter has stepped in and out of the circle five times and she's looking at me and prodding me with her eyes. And so I just got up and left the room. And I'm staring out at the Pacific Ocean. I'm like, what was that? And those two words, authentic inaction, just came into my consciousness. I had never thought of them before. And mm. so for me, that was a practice of like, you know, sort of being with, letting in and letting go this propensity, this addiction to, to say yes, to raise your hand, to do something, to effort, to over effort in my case. And so the practice of authentic inaction, I've named now a practice, is just that in, you know, in that day-to-day -day life, it's we often can choose and yet we don't, we just say yes. And so it's that creating enough space between the stimulus or the invitation or the offering and our choice. And for me, that can be a second or it can be a week, you know, depending on what's in front of me, but it's just being willing to take, to pause and be in inaction long enough to choose authentically. Okay. So I, I want to dig in here selfishly <laughs> because <laughs> I have definitely found myself in situations on several occasions where I'm doing things because I feel I should, you know, I, I ought to, this is what I signed up for. This is what I asked for. This is what's expected of me. And the idea of inaction, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said, it's not something that I considered, but for one reason or another, I talk myself out of it. And so can you describe, you know, if we go back to that, that example that you gave of being kind of outside the circle and deciding not to participate. What did authentic inaction feel like in that moment where you're kind of like, Oh, do, do I, I, I don't really actually want to do this. Like, what's this going to feel like, you know, as you're dipping your toes in authentic inaction, what can we expect? Oh, pain. <laughs> I was confused. It hurt. Like I could feel my belly because authenticity, I also greatly value. Um, and I think in that moment, maybe for the first time so clearly, I recognized how my propensity to say yes, to just speak up, to just do it, separated me from my most authentic self, mm. which also deserved at this time in my life to be more protected. Um, you know, it's almost like I a new value came into view for me. Um, but in the moment, what did it feel like? I was confused. I it felt like I was talking. I was. I had like these two voices kind of battling it out within me. I felt the pressure of my daughter, you know, wanted me to be the mom she knows, step into the circle, speak up, say something, you know, make the world know I'm there and, and how I obviously raised her to be. 
So I, I just, uh, it's discomfort. It's a pit for me. It somatically, it's a pit in my stomach. Sometimes I'll even get a little lightheaded or like that feeling. If you've ever, I ran track in, in high school and the first few practices, like my ears would swell up almost. I couldn't hear. And I felt nauseous, a version of that. Um, and so having, you know, learning to pay attention to the somatic cues, I think is part of this work, part of any addiction, probably recovery path is learning somatically to pay more attention to what your body already knows before your mind or your heart does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was discomfort. It was confusion, um, shame. I probably, you know, just step in. What's the big deal, right? Like just the inner critic got, got really loud and tried to drown out the more wiser voice. So I, I could see it playing out. Let me just say that prior to being at that retreat, I had left my job about eight months before. So I, I feel like I was in a more, a place to be more connected to my body, to hear other voices that were truer within me, et cetera. So it sort of, I had some good priming leading up to that moment. Um, that's why I say it's kind of a benign moment in some ways, but in some ways I, you know, I created that space for myself so that I could hear other things. It wasn't fun in the moment. And it took me weeks after to sort of unpack that experience and, and really see its relevance. And I think it's such an important lesson and takeaway that you're sharing because change doesn't always feel good. It's not, you know, going to be something that you're faced with and you think, oh, I've been waiting for you. This feels so great. I mean, it's going to suck. It's going to be hard sometimes. And you're going to have the ear swells and the sweaty palms and, and second guessing at times. But I love that you you leaned in, uh, maybe a little hesitantly at first, but still followed the calling to kind of say like, I'm not sure this is, this is right for me in this moment. And it's in those moments of trial and error where we can really learn like what feels good, what actually feels good. Mm. Gosh, you have me thinking in that moment. I don't even know if at that time in my journey, I was like, you deserve to say no, right? Like you deserve to feel good. I don't even know that I was honoring myself in that way yet, Mm. but you're absolutely right. And, you know, for anyone listening, if you're suffering, unnecessarily, like you've really deemed like, no, you know, I'm doing this to myself, or I no longer need to tolerate this, or this no longer works for me, or these other things that are, you know, being sacrificed so that I get fed in this way aren't worth it, whatever your storyline is, whatever is true for you, you deserve, I believe everyone deserves, like, it's not that suffering is optional, it has a role, but unnecessary suffering, and, you know, being stuck, feeling stuck, is oftentimes, you know, a construct that we've put there or someone else has put there. And the truth is that we don't need to stay there. Mm. Yeah. So important. Through your work, you talk about how our actions should be a natural extension of who we are. And that instead, what we do has kind of become the definition of who we are. And Mm. I know that this is something I personally struggle with, especially professionally, because so much of my heart and soul and who I am is poured into my work. This was especially true when I was building my business and, you know, really the face of my company, the brand of my company. And now as an extension of the company that I am working with, um, I believe so firmly in the mission and feel very, very aligned with the work that we're doing that it can be really hard to separate what I do from who I am. Mm. So how have you been able to, you know, separate our actions or, or your actions from, from who you are? Like, how do, how do you uh, differentiate those? Mm. 
one, I just, uh, I'm, I hear you. I see you. And I'm sorry. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a big, um, you know, we, our accolades, our titles, our accomplishments are things we worked for. Like they're in us They're mm-hmm. they are part of what shapes us. So I, I don't want to suggest like who you are has nothing to do with what you do, but I think the societal pressure um, of those things exacerbates an already challenging set of choices. And by that, I mean, I, for a long time, associated myself with being, you know, my degree, my title, my experience, where I lived, who I helped, what I, what I served, what mission I was a part of, you know, all of those things. And again, they shaped me. But at the end of the day, I am also much more than that. The quality of my presence. Can I have a mantra? And I will say, I have to, I say at least once a day, but who I am, what I have and what I've done is already enough, right? So I don't need to keep striving to have self-worth. I don't need to keep proving myself. I've already done that, right? So, and if you can learn this younger, awesome, right? But like in the forties and fifties, when you sort of have uh, more of your life behind you than ahead of you potentially, and you've worked really hard to build your resume, that's a real thing and a thing, you know, in a career that you want to do but it's still not enough. You still don't feel worthy. You know, that I think is where it, it, the, the scales tip. I also think it's tipped from a health standpoint. We have people who are going out only like billions of dollars in healthcare costs, right? Um, wasted effort, um, broken relationships. Um, why? Because we're just constantly doing in order to feel good enough or worthy. And so, you know, I, I think, I'm not alone in this. You're not alone in this. And at the same time, no one can fix it for you. That's my own journey. No one could say, Renee, right? Enough is enough. Let me help you. Like I had to commit to that mantra first. I had to believe it. I had to say it. I had to find ways to shift my day-to-day life to align with that belief. No one could do it for me. Can the world help? Yes. Do I think organizations need to have more integrity around this topic and stop, you know, making people do everything and not knowing how to prioritize and focus. Absolutely. But on an individual transformational level, uh, for me, my belief is you got to choose it for you first and then look at where it doesn't line up around you and then tackle that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I definitely see that to be true in my own life. And I, you know, we come full circle back to alignment because when I first started my business and and I'd say, you know, well into the first few years of it, I really was driven by the accolades, by the title, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, all that fun stuff. And it was, it's great, you know, especially as your own boss, you get that it's kind of the pat on the back that you miss from being part of a team. Um, But when that's all you're doing it for and you lose sight of why you got started in the first place, Mm -hmm. um, that's when I started to feel a little bit of a disconnect. And, you know, I totally resonate with what you're saying in knowing first, um, I mean, these are my words, paraphrasing, but kind of like your why, why did you start? Why did you begin? Why is this something that you wanted and are working towards and in operating from that place, you know, which in your words, you know, could be that place of authenticity um, and operating from a place of alignment, I definitely see that my actions, they are, they're intentional, they're deliberate, and they're serving a greater purpose. And and more importantly, they're serving me. They're, they're refilling my own cup. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I mean, as you describe it, right, it's something that you first 
had to believe and then you started to commit to with actions and that you, you know, you still have to hold that, that value construct up because the world is just full of reasons not to choose, right. To just go after it all and kind of see how it goes. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that may be a method that works again. This is, I'm not suggesting like if you're good and you're doing life and you're not, you're not to the point that I was or where it's become unhealthy, broken relationships, et cetera. You're just not, you're in, you know, you have your doing life versus it having you wonderful. But at some point, I think all doing addicts will look in the mirror and say, okay, enough is finally enough. Now what, you know, and that's who I want to meet. That's sort of my ideal person that I want to, you know, okay, we've come from two different roads and now we're on a similar road. How can I help? Mm -hmm. So for those listening who can relate to the overdoing for others, um, for the sake of, and perhaps under nurturing their own authentic selves, what bit of last guidance can you share with them? To trust that um, there are other ways of doing it without sacrificing those other things. And that by becoming more in a way, discerning, selective, conscious, oh gosh, you're just the richness of each moment in each, each choice. It's like a, a sunshiny day, you know, like you open, it's like you're in Pleasantville with that movie, you know, it's 75 degrees and sunny. And, um, it's just a more, um, peaceful and, and creative and even way, way to live. And so just know that that picture is out there for you, that you you deserve it. And um, just also surround yourself with people who you're willing to share what you're up to. Because I, what I have found as well is as soon as I got clear, the world showed up, my universe shifted. The people that I love when I decided to leave, I was so worried about what they would think. And I can just not one single person judge me. They all said, well done. Oh my gosh. I hope, I hope if that choice comes to me that I'm ready to take it. And so you know, there's an, an element of bravery, but I can promise you, you will not fall into a black hole, you know, that the universe will show up to support you. That's been my experience anyway. Renee, thank you so much. Where can people follow you to learn more about your work and get in touch if what you've said today hits home for them? Mm. So because I've been in the whole corporate field, I'm definitely active on LinkedIn. Um, I have two websites, reneedeneen.com and then authenticinaction.com, which is full of resources on this topic. I have just scanned the public domain and pulled them into one place. So there's tons of goodies, free goodies there for you. Um, and then my uh, Instagram, which I'm just really leaning into that, that piece of social branding um, is at Renee M. Deneen. Wonderful. So those links will be linked in the show notes, as well as the link to Renee's book and her TEDx talk, which is incredible. Do yourself a favor, check it out. Renee, thank you once again for being on the show with us today. Thank you so much and good luck to everyone listening on your unique journey. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action. 